Hello, everybody. Welcome to the STEM Sessions podcast, the UK STEM career podcast. Today, I'm interviewing Helen Watson. So if you'd please like to introduce yourself, Helen. Yeah, my name's Helen. Um, I work for a company called Arup. I am 26 and I am an electrical engineer. Um, I mainly work around buildings engineering um, and I have been doing that for about three years now. Cool, good stuff. So um, we're going to backtrack straight away to um, you know, time at school and things like that. So was there anything that um, inspired you in your school days that got you to where you are today? So it's, it's quite interesting that I feel like I kind of fell into engineering. I was always really interested in how things work in kind of the physics behind things and, you know, looking at investigating what's happening and why things are doing, you know, what why certain things are moving and just the background of how things work, basically. And I really enjoyed maths as well. And those were what I was like good at. I hadn't really thought about what I wanted to do. But I knew I wanted to do something that had a positive impact. I kind of wanted to change the world. It sounds really cheesy, but that's what I wanted to do. And so I then looked at what I was good at, what that lined up with. And I didn't want to do, you know, maths on its own or physics on its own. So engineering was one of the things that kind of joined those sort of passions together. And at the time, it wasn't that big of a deal, climate change, as it is now. But that was what I wanted to do. I wanted to, you know, make things more efficient and, you know, really revolutionise the world, as it were. But yes, yeah, so renewable energy was what I sort of focused on. And reading around that, I decided that electrical engineering was the kind of best way to, to do that. I am now, I think, in a different place to what I expected. But actually, I think I have more impact doing what I do than maybe necessarily designing wind turbines. I think that, you know, I didn't realise how much of a scope there was within engineering to really have a difference on sort of the environment around you. Cool. So it sounds like you had an idea of what you wanted to go into, but it's a bit different to what it is now. So how yeah. is it how is it different? I say you've already said how yeah. it's a positive thing. You know, when you think about building design, you just think it's quite like, you know, someone sits there, draws the building then someone else comes and, you know, says, okay, this column needs to be this big. And then someone else comes in and, you know, puts a fan in so that the rooms are air conditioned. And then, you know, they just put cables in to power the rooms. I don't think I appreciated how much scope as engineers we have to impact the design. We're not just doing what people tell us to do. We're constantly pushing and pushing to make it more and more efficient. People don't realise when they're walking around a building, the thought that's gone into the room setups and different configurations of how the engineering systems fit together. And I think that's kind of the point is that you don't want to notice, you know, and if as a human, you notice the engineering systems, then there's something quite wrong with that. We're trying to design stuff that's naturally, you know, it's, it's intuitive and you can just use it and you feel comfortable in a space. And I think that has a massive impact as well as making things more efficient and you know that contributes to the environmental side which is what I was most passionate about but I think you kind of when you think about climate change and especially what I thought you know I thought oh I have to do something renewable you know whether that's designing wind turbines or solar panels and actually I've learned that there's a lot more ways you can be sustainable or implement you know better technologies without using the traditional wind turbine or solar panels on a roof while and while they're good you know, there's a lot of different ways you can do it. And it's kind of trying to think outside the box about how you can improve what you do. Oh, interesting. So 
around that climate change topic then, so what things do you do in terms of making sure that a building is as environmentally friendly as it can be? Uh, So a lot of the time it's kind of a compromise of how people use the building because we could make it perfectly environmentally friendly. But actually, if people aren't going to use the technologies that we put in, whether it's like water harvesting, rainwater harvesting, or daylight dimming in lights, then it's pointless because... So um, we look at lights as a lot of a technology that we can adapt so you could have a lot of different setups so you can have sensors around the edge of a building where all the windows are to detect natural daylight and if it's a really sunny day you don't need your lights on as brightly so they'll either turn off or dim down so that you know you can still see fine you know you can still do your job whatever it is but you're saving energy that way but we found that sometimes people put blinds down So it's a really interesting balance of trying to balance human behavior with the technologies. But yeah, so the light one is a huge one. Again, the same thing with like automatic switching. So having presence or absence detection. So if someone's not in the room or, you know, they've walked in and turned the lights on and forgotten to turn them off as they leave, having that set up. And then also just using more efficient equipment. So whether it's like your switch gear and cables, you can get a lot of power loss just in transmitting the power from the cable that comes in the street from the utility to actually where you're going to plug your phone in or your computer. So it's making sure that there is as fewer losses as we can get while still making, you know, making sure that there's enough power going to whatever you're going to do because you don't want to plug things in and then find that actually, you know, you're tripping the fuse every time. So... Uh, it's, yeah, it's a really interesting balance. Of- What's your role specifically in terms of the technologies that you've spoken about? Yeah, so um, I do I do the design. We work with architects and I also work with you know other engineers, so mechanical, structural, public health. And basically we'll just do the building design. Sometimes it depends on how it's set up. So we might be working with architects. We might be working for a separate client, you know, the owner of the building. And we'll be given a package of work and they'll just say, go away and please design us a building. Yeah, basically what it is. Um, As an electrical engineer, I am responsible for the power that comes in. So um, taking the power from the street, whatever voltage that comes in at. So if we do bigger sites, we have to put in substations and transformers and big bits of kit to sort of step the voltage down so that, you know, you're not going to stick your finger in a plug and electrocute yourself. Backup power. So do we need generators on site? Do we need a thing called a UPS, which is an uninterruptible power supply? So when we do buildings like data centers or manufacturing plants, if the power goes off for like a second, the machines just freak out and they can't handle that kind of dip in power. So the uninterruptible power supply is basically like a huge battery that also filters the power so it basically means that if we have a power cut or there's like an issue with the supply it's you know there's some fluctuations in the power that will kind of ride out and make sure that the machines are not damaged and then the generator can start up and back up the rest of the building I'm responsible for lighting design. So sometimes we do work with lighting designers if they're doing something particularly fancy, so sort of foyers and like a big atrium space, something like that. Um, But most rooms we would, um, as an electrical engineer, I would do that. So it's making sure that there's enough light, it's uniform enough, and also there's enough emergency lighting. So if there is an issue with the power, you need to be able to see to get out the building so there's a you know a minimum level that is you know legally required 
I also do fire alarm and detection design. So what kind of smoke detection or fire detection systems in a building are going to be installed and where are they going to be installed, making sure that it's all compliant. Also earthing and lightning protection. So yeah, basically protecting the building if it's going to get struck by lightning. Yeah, there's lots of different <laughs> elements, um, which I really enjoy because it means my job's quite varied. So, you know, even though you're designing a building, it might be the same. I get to look at lots of different elements of the design. You know, if, even if I'm just doing lighting, there's still so many aspects of, you know, of, of what goes into lighting a room that I find it really interesting. Yeah, that's amazing because people probably would initially think that that's something that's very niche and very specific but actually there's so much variety in what you do it's uh it's incredible and as you say it's all things that people don't necessarily always think about at the forefront but that's that's by design yeah. that's that's yeah. an example of good engineering yeah um, yeah which is awesome it's incredible so is there a project or something you're working on currently that you're really proud of at the moment I am working on the design for a new mental health hospital in southwest London and that's really interesting and I think you know I really enjoy projects that you know actively help societies and I also really enjoy doing lots of different types of buildings because they operate in such different ways so we got to we talked to the nurses that would be running the wards to find out you know actually how are you going to be turning these lights on and off and they said that they had some corridor lights and they had some floor lighting and then some ones in the ceiling and they wanted those to be split onto different switching circuits so that when in the middle of the night when they're doing their checks they can have the lower the floor lighting so they can still see and they can see in the rooms but actually they're not going to be waking people up because there's too much light going into the rooms from the overhead lights so it's things like that that I think are really enjoyable you know you get to speak to people and find out you know actually what can I do to help you in your job yeah but yeah that's, that's yeah. been one of the interesting ones it's incredible I don't think necessarily many people would think about that as well in terms of you're actually speaking to your end users there yeah I think that's really important and really important because you know if you're going to design a building but people hate it it might look so pretty and be so technologically advanced but if actually if it's a pain to go in and work in every day you know it's not going to be it's not good it's not beneficial for them the owner ultimately is going to find that people aren't wanting to rent the spaces out if it's like an office space or something that's being let you know it's it's not good for anybody in the system so is there any part of your role in particular as well that you would say is your standout favorite oh um it's really tricky I think one of the projects I worked on first kind of on my own was a big standout one for me because especially I've done a lot of mega projects so uh, working on an underground railway system with train stations and the tunnels catching them and there was a huge team of us and you know we all had our little roles but I was very much part of a team working for someone and you know just being kind of told like ah oh, can you handle this can you handle this and while that was great it was still enjoyable I worked on a very small restaurant that was kind of you know only like four rooms very open plan but I did everything because it was so small and I think the first time I actually was like you know I have designed this I have done all of these systems I have you know, this particular sense of pride that you know I can I can do this <laughs> and yeah. and also it's now been built and it's people are using it and it's in London so I can go and have a look at it and see people using it and just seeing people in the space is just so so rewarding because it's kind of like oh yeah I did that yeah. And yeah, it's just really nice to see. 
yeah, it's something that you've you've created and yeah. it's now being used, you know, within yeah. society by people, which yeah. is it's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so after school and that kind of initial period where you'd discovered your real passion for maths and you found that that route. Um, when did you go next? Did you go through university? Yes, yeah, so I went to university. I went to the University of Birmingham and I studied electrical and energy engineering. I think that course was great because I got to do the core electrical engineering, but I also did some modules of energy engineering, which covered different engineering subjects. So I did a bit of chemical engineering, a bit of mechanical and a bit of material science. And that was really kind of looking at sustainable technology. So it kind of showed me how engineering can cross over and really got some, my energy passion kind of really kicked off. Was there anything that you did that was aligned to engineering outside of your studies at your time at university? I actually, that was where I first became a, a sort of ambassador. So my university had um, a few programs where they were outreach programs. So I started working with them, um, working and we went to, we developed like a class for school children to kind of help them understand about the power issues and how, you know, it's not just as easy as building, you know, a massive wind farm um out in your garden um you know because that would oh it would be great everyone would be mad because you'd have these really noisy wind turbines in your back garden um so I, I set up that and I got to go around to some schools and sort of show that off um and we they also were involved in the first lego league um which is like a project uh, where they were building robots out of lego and they had to do little challenges um so I got to go and help out at some of the competition days there and yeah, I think it was just really nice to see kind of what people can do when they're faced with a little challenge and some blocks of Lego and yeah, off they go. Awesome. So you've been a STEM ambassador for quite a while now. Yeah, I have. Yeah. I think it's really enjoyable and like it's it's almost more rewarding than going and seeing my buildings in real life because I'm just constantly surprised at how creative children are. And like creative in an engineering way, because when I tell them I'm an engineer, they or electrical engineer specifically, they think of the person that comes around to your house and you know fixes uh, you know whatever's gone wrong, you know the the sockets or whatever. And and while that is you know part of a part of engineering, it's, it's you know there's so much other stuff. And you know I am not you know in a hard hat and dirty boots all day. I'm mostly sat in an office. So I think it's really interesting to see their reaction when they find out how broad engineering is. Is there anybody that you would say has really inspired you in terms of your career journey so far? So I had a project manager um, on so we were working on a project in the Middle East and there was a huge team of women and all of the project managers and sort of sub managers were basically women I think we had maybe like two men out of like seven which is very uncommon in the engineering world even like now I mean it's definitely getting better but um it's still very much a male-dominated field and she was just incredible she knew exactly what was going on she was really approachable um and she just was able to connect with everyone in the team and really bring us together so you know she she had a her eye on the ball on everything she still managed to every day come around pretty much and be like how you're doing does anyone have any issues but also you know was very technically advanced and you know on top of all the issues that were coming up and she's just been one of those people that anytime I've had an issue she's always she always makes time for me that's great and I'm also picking up there from 
what you say in terms of how she's operating and how she's inspired you that there's a real balance there and real mix of technical skills but also that emotional intelligence yeah. and, and soft skills yeah. and, and to relate to people. I think people kind of forget with engineering that it's a very big team you know no I, I've never done any project where I have been the only person on my own you know at minimum there's like you know five because you've got a structural engineer an architect electrical mechanical and ph and then you you know that's that's only the five people you probably have more a project manager maybe the client you know you you have to work with so many people and if you can't work well with people you really struggle and it makes your job harder because we're constantly fighting for space in buildings you know I want to put my equipment there but so does the mechanical engineer so we're always having these coordination debates and if you can't work as a team properly it doesn't make your design uh, work well you have to be very technical you know yes it does have to work but Part of it is that, that, you know, it's going to work in a lot of different configurations. You just have to find the best one. And that is very much team-based and that personable skills. Yeah, I think that actually that really shows as well in the example that you've given earlier um, with the hospital in the sense that, as you said, you could develop the most amazing, um, you know, technologically Mm. brilliant building. But if it's not going to be, you know, happy or it's not going to generate a happy work environment for the people ultimately use it that that's the people element of engineering um that yeah is fundamental i think engineering is so people-based like i can't think of any engineering examples where it doesn't come back to people you know whether it's building like hs2 the railway people are going to be using that to travel around you know designing a plane people are going to be traveling on it. it everything kind of engineering comes back to people so if you start with people, you can't go wrong. Do you have an idea of where you want to take your career next? So I do I do want to stay in the same field. I you know, I still want to do buildings. I just really enjoy doing variety of buildings. I'm always kind of asking what's going on, what different types of buildings we're getting like projects in in the office, you know, what I can get involved with. Coming up, um, I've been doing a bit of work for a science lab. And there's another hospital in central London that's going through an upgrade that I'm about to start sort of really getting involved in. And that's quite challenging because it's it's an existing building. Um, as you know, London's quite packed in, so we can't really like make new rooms. So and we've also got to not remove anything existing before we put the new stuff in because it's a hospital. So there's people on you know life support, etc. So those are the kind of short term things. Yeah, in the long run, I think I just want to keep doing the same thing, but but better, uh, you know, doing more t- sustainably. You know, I've, sometimes we come across like cost issues that you know, people run out of money, so they can't put the solar panels on the roof because they're too expensive and, you know, little things like that getting, you know, getting knocked off the design. Um, So I want to find ways to make my design better, but also cheaper, more sustainable I say I'm not I'm not one for like big planning and I think sometimes especially like when you kind of look at careers stuff it's all like someone's got a life plan of you know exactly when they want to be promoted and you know by the age of whatever I want to be doing xyz and I very much flying by the seat of my pants quite a lot of the time and just like if you enjoy it keep doing it and you know if you're you know as long as there's no sort of major issues with it you know, it's not miles away and, you know, it's not like a really tricky job, then yeah, just keep doing what you enjoy and yeah. 
yeah I think you know if in three years I find that I I'm not enjoying it anymore uh, there's so much more I can do with my engineering skills that I'm not worried that I won't have a job but you know I'll find something else and then uh, I'll learn to love that so yeah just keep doing what you love I think is what I'm going to do you want to remain adaptable as well you don't want to yeah be so dead set on a plan and I think you know you can only you can you okay so if you get your plan great you'd be happy but if you don't get it you'd be so upset about it whereas if I don't have a plan I can't be upset by not meeting it um so yeah but you know I think that engineering is still such a good career to go in that I'm not worried and I don't regret doing it thank you very much for coming in Helen. it was um, absolutely great to speak to you and uh yeah wish you all the best thank you okay thank you thanks for listening and thanks again to Helen Helen is actually the second electrical engineer that we've had here on STEM sessions. First one being Alex Sokol, who's an electrical engineer who worked on the production of wind turbines. If you like this episode, be sure to check out that one too, as it shows another side of electrical engineering.